The Disciplined Investor is underwritten by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers charges USD margin loan rates from 0.75% to 1.59% with rates subject to change. Learn more at ibkr.com slash compare. The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. A game of chicken in China. Volatility smacks right into liquidity. Nike, FedEx, warnings that we don't want to hear. And a really rough week for crypto. All this and much more on episode number 733 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. September is winding down. Here we are on the last show of the month. That's it. There's the last uh, couple of days left in September. And as we had expected, well, markets were rocky. When I say we expected, that's what we were fed. That's the information we were told by the media, right? That September's going to be rough. It's going to be difficult. Oh, my God. Hey, it's Andrew Horowitz. And welcome aboard. Welcome to the podcast. If you are a first timer, welcome back. If you are a long timer, thanks for joining me. Each and every week when we talk about finance, investment, your way to gain financial security, stability, and financial freedom. That's what it's all about. That's what we're doing, right? I mean, we're trying to make sure that we provide some kind of insights each and every week that I gather what is happening in the markets, a little education, a little edge, so that you can ensure yourself that you and your family's overall financial situation is as good as it can get. Now, with that in mind, listen, I don't want you just listening to what we're talking about. I don't want you to be, oh, that, oh, great idea. One day, maybe I'll do that. No, one day is today. Get off the keister, get off the couch, get off the lazy train. You know if you're doing that, and you got to make sure to commit. You got to make sure that you're doing what it takes each and every day to get ahead when it comes to your financial situation. And I'll tell you why I'm kind of charged up about that. And the reason is that in particular this week, I had, a, I had somebody that I've known for a long time in my house. And he does work for me, frankly. He does a, a good amount of work in the area of repairs, let's call it, okay? For lack of a better distinction. And the last two or three times, but definitely the last two times, that he's been in my house, we've had the same exact discussion. And the discussion is, I really need to start investing, he says. Uh-huh. Okay. What do you want to do? Well, what do you think about, you know, this or that? I'm like, wait, hold on a second. What have you invested so far? Well, nothing. Well, you got two kids that are going to college, right, one day? Maybe. Yes. Okay. Have you set aside money for, No. Have you done? No. I said, well, have you done? No. All right. Do you have an IRA? Do you have a pension plan? Something? No. 
I said, okay, let's let's wind this. Seriously, the same discussion I had twice. Let's wind it all the way backwards. Let's talk about this. What are you doing? Well, I just got to learn a little bit more about this and all that. I said, am I supposed to learn how to do your craft? No. What you need to do is find a way and realize that you need to do it. If I don't hire you, my house, my air conditioning is going to be, you know, it's going to be 100 degrees in my house. I don't need to know how the condenser works or the air handler or what goes on with the electrical panel. I don't need to know any of that. I just know, hey, listen, I need an air conditioner. You're the expert. You put it in. You service it. Do the work. Great. Okay. So why aren't you just investing in a mutual fund, in an ETF, something simple? It doesn't have to be very fancy, complicated, difficult. You don't need to put a whole four-year education into it if you hire somebody to act as a fiduciary to help you through the process. I don't understand. I'm thinking to myself, this is the second time we've had this conversation. And the last time was about eight months ago. Your kids are eight months old. Your family is that much more towards retirement. What are you doing? And I never really pressure anybody. So I was kind of talking about this. But I'm thinking this in my head. I'm like, what's going on? Have I not done my job? I'm thinking to myself of motivating somehow and, and giving him the, the, the access, the tools. And frankly, I'm not going to charge him anything. He's, I've known him for years. If he wants help, I'll help him. Just like if I need help, I'll call him. Again, never going to press myself upon anybody or try to twist anybody's arm. However, this is where I draw the line. The fact that he's now gone a year between talking about when to invest because he's not sure what to do. It's not, it's not that he's afraid to invest. It's not that he's risk averse. He just doesn't understand it. I think now's the time that I need to step in there. What do you think, right? I need to step in there. So I am going to, as a matter of fact, right now at this moment, just, you can hear me ripping the page. I am going to put his name down on a piece of paper, on a reminder. It's right on my studio desk. I can't walk out of here without grabbing that. And I will call him this week and say, hey, we need to do something. Just like I'm making a virtual call to you right now. We need to do something. We need to find a way to make sure that you are situated in a way that is optimized, that your portfolio is set in a way that you're getting the best bang out of the buck, and more importantly, that you're putting away as much as you can in the most efficient manner, whether it's tax-deductible, tax-deferred, or just in a 529 account, something that you want to have for your family in the future. And I had a great question that came up this week. Somebody emailed me and said, hey, Andrew, I'd love to work with you. Do you work with people outside of Florida? I'm thinking, gosh, well, yeah, we work with people all over the country. We have some people in other countries around the world. So it doesn't matter if you're in the New England area, the Midwest, Southwest, we work with you. We have the ability to help you with your finances. So that shouldn't be a limitation. We're accessible. I'm here. 
That shouldn't be a limitation. The only limitation that we have, just like my good friend here that I told you I was talking to this week, is a limitation between our two ears. It's that we think we need to do more and find out more information. You know, sometimes you just need to act. And that's what I've been telling you about for the last year or so. That doesn't mean all in. That means act. That means act. What you want to do is work on the process of understanding that you need to do something. And then figure out a way to get there, even though you may not be the expert in that area. Now, I went off on that a little bit because this was a real situation, and it's really been bugging me. It's really been bothering me that uh, I may not be doing the job I should for some people, not giving them the motivation, the incentive, the peace of mind, the, the, the information to do what they need to do for themselves. And I feel guilty. I'm not kidding. I feel like I should be doing more. And I want to help you. I want to make sure I give you everything I can to get you where you need to be, whether it's looking at your portfolio and saying, hey, I'm too aggressive. I need to actually pull out of the market a little bit here. Or, hey, uh, I'm not really situated well at all. Something that bothers me a lot because I really want to make sure that the education that we're providing, the information that we're providing gives you what you need. Sometimes I got to tap and sometimes I got to knock. Sometimes I got to pound. So here we are right now in a little bit of a pounding session <laughs> talking about how we got to make sure that we are there. And, I th and, and I'm also saying this to myself. So I'm not just talking to you. I'm not just talking to my, my friend. I'm talking to myself. Am I optimized? Am I in the place that I want to be? Am I in the right situation? Am I going about this correctly for my family? Am I optimizing the most efficient? I do that on a regular basis. I have the tools, yes. I have the ability. I have the staff. I have the programs. I have the systems. Something to think about. What if you don't have all that? Where do you go? So think about it. Uh, hopefully I uh, gave you some good information there. But if not, and you're still wondering, what do I do? If you're still wondering, I need more of an education, stop. Sometimes you need to just act. Sometimes, not recklessly, but with a partner, with someone that you can do it with that has your back. That's what I'm here for. So I have got your back through the podcast and through the services that we offer. I've got your back. Do me a favor. Uh, I appreciate your comments. I appreciate your reviews. Go over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you leave reviews. Leave a review. Follow me on Twitter, Andrew Horowitz, one word entirely. And I'm not going to bore you with uh, discussion of my tennis elbow, just to let you know that I have what I'm describing now as podcaster elbow. It hurts, man. I don't know what I did. Maybe it's the mouse. Maybe, maybe it's, I got this elbow armband thing on that's supposed to help tennis elbow. It's supposed to compress the muscle that connects to this elbow and the tendon and you know it doesn't work i've tried got a, a dose of steroids that medropole pack mm. 
I don't know. Maybe it's something more, more radical here. But, uh, you know, it's because I'm working so hard for you. You don't get, listen, it's not easy to get podcast elbow. I got it. Because I'm working so hard, pounding the desk. Can you hear that? Pounding the desk. Then again, maybe it's just the mouse I'm using. <laughs> now I'm typing. I don't know, but something's got to give on that. All right, what do we got? We got, oh, we got to talk, <laughs> we got to talk about what is going on right now? The game of chicken in China. And what is that all about, right? What is the, what is this game? What is it? What, what's going on in China? It's clearly regarding this whole issue with Evergrande. Evergrande, uh, the, the basically it is a massive property development company. That's not all they do. There's a lot of other things wrapped up in here, and they have a lot of other arms that they that, that they that they have due to the fact that they got beyond their core competency and started getting a variety of other businesses. But basically, they're a real, uh, real estate development company building those buildings, those ghost cities and all that. And they did so on debt. Debt and build, debt and build, debt and build, debt and build. And hopefully one day what would happen is they would sell out and pay back the debtors and the bondholders, I should say. And what happened was that China allowed this to happen for years to a point where they had $300 billion in debt. Now, we talked about this a little bit about what was going to happen with this, but the question is right now, where do we go from here? Because on Thursday, Evergrande missed a $87 million interest payment. They still probably have about 30 days before an actual default occurs but now we're finding that China, the government, is playing hardball where they are not going to necessarily bail out. They're rather going to wait till the last minute, wait for the localities to try their best to work out the details, try to work out the details with the company and their, their bondholders and the, those that they owe money to. And um, there's a lot of talk out there. There's, there's a lot of ways to look at this and... I think that there's a very high potential of a negative outcome, but yet we're seeing people busy buying on the dips. Last Monday, we saw close to a thousand point move on the Dow for a lot of different reasons, but predicated on the fact that there's a lot of bad going on in China. China is a major economy, whether you want to like it or not. China is a major economy and a major component of the global economy. And if their economy comes to a halt, that's a big problem for a lot of reasons. Now, whether or not we have a tremendous amount of exposure in our banks to, to, to that particular situation or whether or not there's exposure here, Somehow, it's not really the issue. There's a lot of talk going about this is, oh, this is not a layman moment. And it's definitely not a Minsky moment they're talking about. And a Minsky moment is, uh, we know what layman is, right? Minsky is kind of the sudden collapse of markets, which usually is the, the bell ringer for when the, the economic cycle comes to an end from 
where we are in the expansion of credit and um, where we have a lack of any further growth. But it's very sudden, very, very critical that it happens. This, this aha, wait, yeah, we've been thinking this is going to go on for a lot longer, but it really isn't. Everybody all of a sudden has this, this moment where there's a realization. And there's a lot of talk going on right now. This is not this, it's not that, it's not the Minsky moment, it's not the Lehman moment. Yet we're seeing uh, some things around that, well, kind of, you can put that into question. Now, I'm not suggesting there's going to be a, a, a Minsky type of situation or an absolute crash due to Lehman. But, you know, if they let, if China allows Evergrande to default, the ripple effect and then the effective contagion due to that is going to be severe. And while we're being told, don't worry about contagion, and we're being told, you know what, this is not a big deal at all, the fact is there's hundreds of thousands of people that are employed. There are people that have their money that is tied up with Evergrande. There are all sorts of reasons to believe that a default would be very bad because the ripple effect within China will have a reverberation beyond its borders. And I think that there is a possibility of that happening. Now, at what probability do I really place on it? I mean, there's a possibility of a lot of things happening. I don't put the possibility really that high. I do believe that if they allow Evergrande to default, it would be catastrophic. It doesn't have to be permanent, but it would be very bad because there is so much debt built up in the system in China. There is so much real estate that has been bought in a speculative manner. And there are so many companies that are integrated into that system that there would be a major, major move to a, a dark recession in China, which again would have impact around the world. The difference that we see between, for example, when we were told not to worry about the contagion factor of COVID, you know, that it's, we're safe here, it's not coming here, it's really just contained inside of China, don't worry, it's not a big deal there, it's not going to be a big deal, and it's not going to come here. You can overlay the same exact situation, what's going on now, albeit with a different entire purpose and concept where we're being told, don't worry. We're being told it's over there. We're being told, hey, you know what? It's not coming here. The big difference between the two is one thing. And that thing is that this can be solved by money. It can be rectified, at least temporarily. When we have a problem this big and is a, monumental issue, the easiest way to deal with this is a financial injection, a, a, a movement to push capital so there's no default. You couldn't do that with COVID, right? COVID's kind of in the air and it's an individualized situation and it kind of flows. You can't just kind of say, okay, we'll just wipe it out, right? Even with, even with vaccines, we've learned that's not the case. So in this circumstance, you can solve it by just throwing money at it. 
And that's when we have all this volatility that we saw in the beginning of the week. All of a sudden, be relieved. The VIX went to $28 or 28 on Monday, then at 22, 18 by Wednesday, Thursday, and then settling out. Markets did a massive recovery off of the bottoms, you know, a buy the dip V factor that went on. But what was it? Well, it was when volatility ran right into liquidity and then liquidity won. And that will be the situation that we're seeing right here, where you have a very bad circumstance that is arriving. And at the same time, a way to solve it can be just a financial injection. Now, I'm not really a fan of this, of just bailing out bad actors. But the Chinese government is, what they're trying to do is, is clean up a major debt mess that they've created for themselves. So this starts out with the government to begin with. They created this situation. But they, and, and well, I should say they, not only did they create it, they, they created a monster that actually caused a lot more problems. I mean, it's hard to imagine that the Chinese government allowed Evergrande to build and to garner $300 billion in debt in the first place. How they didn't understand that this kind of debt load could be massively problematic inside and outside of China. So right now, there's this game of chicken that's being played of, hey, we're not going to be able to pay our employees. We're not going to be able to make good on our debt payments for our bondholders. And you know what? Because you've constrained the amount of debt that we have and can get, we are having a major liquidity crunch. China created the ability to get the debt. Now they curtail the amount of debt that they could get. Obviously, they weren't watching how, how much of a monster they built. And what's going to happen is this game of chicken is going to be played out. And investors will have to deal with the volatility until it's resolved. And I do believe they're going to probably wait until such a time that there's a good amount of volatility. They don't really care about that. They get the long game in mind here and try to figure out how to effectively, efficiently, and with the lowest cost, save this situation. But it's going to be problematic throughout. Now, aside from Evergrande, because let's put that over to the left for one moment and realize that that is going to have, even if it's resolved to a point, it's going to have a big impact on the economy in China. If all goes well and planned, it's going to have an impact on China's economy, which already has been impacted by a slowing situation because of the Delta variant and supply chain issues and all that. But aside from Evergrande, aside from the discussion of there, there's actually some more things that are happening that are really interesting in the markets and that I think we need to pay attention to because they're sending a little bit of a signal. Now, you know that I've been talking about how to properly get yourself back into the markets, how to utilize a multi-step process, right? A dollar cost averaging that we do on a opportunistic basis that we also do on a time basis. We take these two things, we put them together, and we find the opportunities 
and we move into a portfolio that's appropriate, et cetera. Okay, all that stuff we've talked about several times. Well, now I'm starting to think about how are we situated and did we get to a point that any parts of our portfolio are now over-allocated because of growth? I mean, the spectacular growth over the last year. You look at your portfolios, look at any position. You start out with a 10% position a year and a half ago, a year ago, you got a 13 14% position in that one position. You kind of take a look at all of those out there, and I'm just talking about growth in terms of index growth. You have a, a stock, it could have doubled in that period of time easily. And how much of that portfolio is taken up by that position, and how does that skew your total positioning? That's something we're really looking at right now and wondering, hey, you know, where are those rebalanced positionings needed to occur? I hope you're doing that as well. It's not just a one-way ticket, not just in. Got to kind of rotate. You got to rebalance. You got to do what you got to do to make sure your portfolio is aligned properly. And one of the things that we're looking at right now is kind of putting a little chink in the armor in terms of the forward potential for where markets are going is some of the reports that we saw this week. For example, Nike. So a report out of Nike, that's pretty concerning when it comes to their outlook and their general revenue miss. And they're blaming it on supply chain issues. And, you know, we, we know that's something that's been very much, not only in the news, but obvious. Probably one thing or another in your life you've noticed, can't get. Finding that Costco is... I think it was Costco. It was Walmart, Costco. I think it was Costco. Costco is limiting the purchase of certain things again, like, uh, like, like toilet paper and certain other items. So when we're looking at what happened with Nike and the reaction of the stock, and we're seeing that combined with their outlook and concern about pricing, and then we add in what we saw with FedEx, which is now 30% off of his high. And we're looking at the stock and seeing where it is in terms of where it was and why it's there and how they have a problem with finding employees, the last mile issue, the cost factors, fuel costs, all the things that are going into this. And this has been both Nike and FedEx they have been important companies to focus on when we look at, well, what's going on around the world? You know, what is the, what's the tell? And these two companies have been really important to look at. So when we look at on the horizon, we see that higher prices are out there and the potential for margin contraction across many industries is real. I mean, let's not kid around here. The fact of the matter is that we are seeing this across things. I got a coffee the other day. You're going to laugh at me, okay? I went and I got some Cuban coffee. Forever and a day, it's been $1.50. Been $1.50. Been $1.50. Go there, $1.50. Thank you very much. $1.50. Honest to God, I go there yesterday, $1.75. I said, what's going on? It's like a 20% increase. Coffee inflation. Coffee costs more. I'm like, what? 20% more in like the last month? What? Not a big deal. 25 cents. I'm not complaining about it. It was delicious. However... I'm just saying there's something to really think about when it comes to that. And I, I, again, why is that? 
Well, let's step back and realize that stocks have been priced for perfection. Stocks have been priced for more stimulus, more liquidity, lower interest rates, low interest rates. And continuation of what we've seen of this breakneck pace of earnings growth. So we have that and all of a sudden the potential is that we see a sharp decrease potentially in profitability by companies could cause a bit of a disturbance in the investor universe. My biggest concern is margins. I don't think that that would shake anybody's confidence in my discussion because I think everybody realizes that, you know, you can't have this kind of margin expansion, revenue growth, backlog, and all things that are going on right now with regard to um, company profitability unless we see kind of some of the setup that we had before, and that's just not going to happen. So something to think about when you're looking at your portfolio, does that mean I'm bearish? No, it just means that this, yeah, we got to watch for this. And right now this market is very much in a wait and see mode. Show me, show me the whites of their eyes before I make a move. But I want to be right up there nose to nose. In other words, markets are looking for confirmation, not getting ahead of something. Right now, you could say, well, we're ahead of things, thinking that we're going to have this growth that continues on for a very long period of time. Yeah, you could say that. But really, markets are just more so dedicated to the longevity of money in the markets than they are of any hiccups along the way right now. And that's where we stand in terms of the sentiment factors in the markets right now. All right, let's take a moment and talk about interactive brokers. You know, you could trade crypto, well, for less coin on interactive brokers' professional-grade platform. Why pay hidden spreads of you know, 1% to 2% at other brokers? Commissions at interactive brokers are just 12 to 18 basis points. That's cheap. With no hidden spreads, markups, or custody fees. Plus, you can trade stocks and options, futures, fiat currencies, bonds, and more from the same integrated platform. I want you to go check out and learn more at ibkr.com slash crypto. That's ibkr.com slash crypto. Now, speaking of crypto, uh, it's kind of a bumpy week for Bitcoin and the others. And again, what's the cause of this? What's the root of this? What's the problem? China. China, again, coming out with some new regulations um, and comments about the illegality of certain transactions and specifically mentioning certain coins. That, that's, a, that's kind of a little bit more, I would say, uh, harsher than they've had before. Before it was a little bit more broad-based and they talked about mining, they talked about a few other things, but now it's, hey, you know what? This is not, no good. We're not allowing this. Maybe you can hold it if you want privately, but in being involved in the um, crypto side of it, maybe as a company, providing networking or web services, maybe to that, that's no good. Uh, all of this is being looked at very harshly. And I think it's really interesting to think about what they're trying to do here. Because let's agree that probably what China is trying to do is protect their economy. And, 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 you may say, well, too bad. You know what? They don't deserve the right to have their own currency. It should be a common currency or a currency that we could use outside. Let me explain something. I think it's really important to understand that 
crypto replacing a developed market currency, it's not going to happen. I hate to burst anybody's bubble here. You can call me an idiot, an old man, or whatever you want to say, but it's just not going to happen. And let me tell you why it's not going to happen. Is that if you understand how economies work, not just money and what's in your pocket, what's in your wallet. I'm not talking about that. If you understand how economies work, there needs to be control of the currency value to regulate the economy. Now, just follow me here for a second. Because I don't really understand why this is such a hard concept for the Bitcoin maximalist to understand. I, I really don't understand at all why there's this thought that, you know, we're going to see a replacement of currency with Bitcoin. Now, we may see a replacement of a currency with a digital dollar in the U.S. Okay, whatever. It's like using credit cards. It's digitized money. We are not going to see an outside source that can't be regulated uh, by a source that's outside of the U.S. that even has any kind of aspect of integration. It's not happening. I mean, they tried it in the EU, and you can see what's going on there. It's a disaster. There's no way. Let me give you kind of a, a weird thought I was thinking about, a weird comparison. Because there needs to be this ability for, there needs to be the ability for the control and the ability for a country to self-regulate. The economic strength of a country would have a massive problem if it didn't have the ability to regulate where it was from a financial position in comparison to others that it trades with. That's the point. Also internally, to have a, a the ability to, to manage its currency is, is a hallmark of where the economy is from strength, from weakness, and what is needed to be from others that we bring things in from. Because... If our economy is really strong, our currency should be strong, in theory. And if our economy is weak, it should be weak. And if we are having another economy that we're working with, if our economy has a, a currency that's low, they may actually come in. And it's a self, self-regulating process. Self-regulating process. Now, this comparison is a little weird that I was thinking about, but think about the body and an infection. A little weird. I know. Just follow me here. You get this infection and white cells are dispatched and attack and, you know, protect the, 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 the situation and kind of envelop and find and get rid of, right? The body regulates. If there was no way to self-cure with the tools at hand, in the case of the body, the immune system, right? And in the case of an economic system, in part currencies, how would it cure its woes and self-regulate? This is a really important concept. Now, there's a lot more things, and you can bring some outside sources, such as medicines for the body, of course, if it gets overwhelming. But generally speaking, there is a default factor that allows for an economy to self-regulate. And some of that, in part, has to do with the fact that there is a currency that moves around a band, a valuation, if you will, that is separate and apart from other currencies. And again, think about the concept, even though this is not exactly there, but of the EU and they have a common currency and how it's been an absolute unmitigated disaster 
trying to regulate for some country for some countries versus others. How it's been a real benefit for some and not others. How it's been very difficult to figure out what to do in crisis times. And you want to have that kind of situation replacing the currency of a country and then providing the inability for that country then to self-regulate? It makes no sense. It just makes no sense. It's an important concept here. And, and this is why there has been so much of a concern and upheaval that printing currency or QE could bring on inflation, monetary debasement. But why are they doing so? They're doing so right now in a race to the bottom. I can tell you all the bad things and the things I don't like about it because the currency needed to be lower in order to start healing the major impact of an economic asteroid that hit. If you didn't have that and you only had a single currency that was not at all hooked in or related to the economy that we're talking about, how would you able be able to do such a thing? Do you realize that you wouldn't be able to issue bonds as we've done? I'm not a fan of QE. You know that. But still, how would you issue bonds? Were you issue bonds in dollar terms? You would issue bonds in Bitcoin terms? And then how does that work? I mean, it's, it, in every country is a different value. That's the point. Countries, currency are a major tell in terms of economic activity and strength. To think that we can get away from that is absolute, it's insanity. I'm sorry, I just, I can't go with it. So I've told you this once, I've told you this twice, I've told you a hundred times, I don't understand the whole concept of Bitcoin as a currency. As a payment system, okay. You got the Lightning Network, okay. And move fast, you want to use ETH, you want to use this, okay. Store of value, investment, yeah, I think that's kind of interesting. Have at it with that. But the thought of replacing a currency from a developed country, I mean, the Venezuelan thing and all that, and wherever it's going, oh no, um, El Salvador, El Salvador is using it. Let's see how that works out. It's been a disaster so far. But especially when so little people hold it, when the, where the whales, the majority of the holders are concentrated into a small group. I don't think so. So on with that. Quick update. We are uh, starting to slowly make our way towards earnings season, mid-October. Banks are going to be reporting first, then slowly the tech names. So it's about October, I think, 20th is the first one with, maybe the 21st, with uh, J.P. Morgan. So watch for that. Should be interesting to find out. We're, listen, we're starting to see that the uh, bond yield is starting to spike up a little bit more post-Fed discussion. Listen, it's interesting. If you listen to the discussion by Powell last Wednesday, and you really were closely monitoring what he said, there was a couple of moments there that were a little weird. That it was like he was a little lost. And he, all of a sudden, it was like some truth serum was poured over him, and he started talking about how, yeah, yep, we're going to be starting his tapering probably soon. It could be next month, as a matter of fact. So, hey, just to let you know, it's like, what, what, what? But he came back to listen. But I want to explain something. Tapering is not liftoff. Liftoff. What he's referring to there is the idea that there is 
the potential for increasing interest rates. They call it liftoff. Maybe they are at touchdown right now and they're going to go back to liftoff. These are these catchphrases to create some kind of investor comfort. So he went to great lengths to, to, to go through the fact that tapering of bonds is not liftoff, but tapering of bonds is draining of liquidity. There's no question about that. So it was kind of interesting to watch what's going on. And I think that the, uh, the, the reaction two days later of what's happening with regard to bonds and how we've seen the bond yields drive up pretty dramatically. I would think it's pretty dramatically. It looks, looks pretty dramatic to me. Uh, I think it's something to really pay attention to, and I think that's something that we want to watch. I don't know necessarily if that's going to be um, something terrifying unless we really spike over 1.5 and get towards 1.6, and then kind of all bets are off here. But there'll probably be some movement in the bond market. That should not be so good for technology. Right now, nobody cares. Right now, everybody's thinking about, hey, uh, we got more stimulus coming in. Evergrande's going to be resolved over the weekend. Mm, I don't know about that. But yes, we are going to get a resolution on the debt ceiling. Just have to go through a lot of the political machinations and the crap that we do each and every time. And probably the same thing with Evergrande. But then we enter into earnings. So let's keep a watch on that. All right, we're going to end right there. I want to thank you all for listening. Make sure to go over to thedisciplineinvestor.com. Check out all that we have to offer in terms of uh, the tools, techniques, the strategies, and how to work with us as well as uh, go on Twitter. Uh, follow me there, Andrew Horowitz, and go over to your favorite podcasting you know, place, joint, pub, and uh, leave a review. Make sure to tell us what you think. I really do appreciate everything that you have to say, uh, and I read them all. So thanks so much for joining me, and I'll see you again next week. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida, and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company.